0: Father, thank you for uh, Romans and the way it speaks to us. It's a bit overwhelming at times, uh, but you know our weakness, and I'm thankful for that. And in spite of our weakness, you still use it. So will you use it again today to help us to understand what you're doing in the world and what you're doing in our lives? For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in Romans 10 then. Um, uh, And I don't have this fully set up yet. Let me get it set up. Um, Come on. There it goes. The issue in chapters 9, 10, and 11 is to figure out what role Israel has in all that Paul has been saying. Um, Especially as we pointed out, hey, how are you? Good to see you. Yeah, yeah. Um, as we pointed out when we first got into chapter nine, uh, that um, um, the it, the question is, if nothing can sh- separate us from the love of Christ, that's in a love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. In chapter eight, then what about Israel? Because it appears they've been, in fact, separated from the love of God. So. Uh, Paul is giving us a five-step progress through this, um, and uh, I don't have the five steps here. I should have that copied out, but let's move back a little bit and see if we can't find it. Uh, Here it is. The first step, chapters one to nine, uh, uh, chapter nine, oh, it's not on. Okay. I was, I, I was doing so well. I was so proud of myself. I didn't mean to be rude. And, and you have you have just devastated my whole self image. So we still love you. you well, I appreciate that. You got to put up with me for eternity. But so. I, <laughs> uh, um, so first, uh, God um, God has hardened unbelieving Israel. We've we've talked about hardening in the past, so. Just to make clear what that's all about, we're not saying that he took nice people and made them bad. We're saying that he took sinful people and handed them over to their own desires. It took away the restraints so that uh, they would be under the ministry of the general grace of God uh, who restrains sin all over the world. He removed that restraint, allowing them to do what they wanted. And that leads then into 930 to 1021, Israel rejected God's righteousness. And that's what... Yes, sir? Isn't
1: that what Romans 1 said?
0: Yeah. Romans 128? But that was true of all humanity. This is true about Israel. And I was focused on Israel. Um, So in 930 to 1021, Israel rejected God's righteousness... Chapter 11, 1 to 10, but God preserved a remnant chosen by grace. Uh, And then fourth, in 11, 11 to 24, God gave the promises to Gentiles through faith, and the goal of that is to stir Israel up to jealousy. They see us experiencing what God promised them, and of course we're not doing a very good job of that because we're not really living in the blessing of God as Christians. Thus, he will stir Israel to jealousy, uh, bringing them to salvation through faith. And then there's a conclusion, adoration of God's wisdom, there at the end of chapter 11. So uh, let's start where we left off last week in chapter 11, verse 11. And uh, um, uh, that was for your sake, Terry. Carlin cooked this up. I was up. just trying to figure out how you moved that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, now you're you're telling stories on me here. Um, let's see. Thanks, I got, <laughs> <Harlan>. You're welcome. <laughs> so we're now at chapter eleven uh, chapter ten. Um, we actually got into that a little bit at the end of chapter nine last week. What shall we say then that the Gentiles who were not seeking righteousness? achieved righteousness but it was the righteousness of faith but Israel while pursuing the law of righteousness did not achieve the law why because it was not by faith but but as it were by works Um, they stumbled at the stone of stumbling as it is written behold I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and the one who believes in him shall not be ashamed uh, that gets us in then to chapter nine, a uh, ten, verse one, uh, and I need to move back a bit here on that. Uh, okay, now, yeah. um, Oi, Ah, here we go. Um, Israel rejected God's righteousness 930 to 1021 thus the Gentiles by faith received what Israel rejected stumbling over Christ the rock in unbelief namely God's righteousness so um, we just read that verse uh, 1 of chapter 10 Paul's desire for Israel brothers he's my my longing of my heart for Israel and my Prayer to God is for their salvation. For I testify to them that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They, they are very zealous, but they don't really understand what they're being zealous about. Um, I, I heard, I, I mentioned this, I think, in the One for Israel broadcast, uh, podcasts. I've I, I mentioned that, Yes. One for Israel? No, move your heads, okay. Uh, there's a seminary in, um, forgot what town it's in, in Israel. They have a a uh, cooperation agreement with Dallas Seminary, so we're doing a doctorate together in Jewish studies between that seminary and, and Dallas Seminary. Um, among their their men and ministries, it's it's uh, um, they, they just have a lot of things going on. They're making podcasts, and they are vi- they are inter- they are po- uh, videos of Jewish believers explaining how they came to Christ and what that's done to their Jewishness. They're saying, "I'm not less Jewish now. I'm more Jewish now. I value the." festivals all the more because of my faith in Christ I, I value those things um, so uh, uh, you know how did I get into that uh, what what? at least one of those men and I've heard more than one say it but I can't say how many um, one of the men said I went to my rabbi and he said I, uh, rabbi I want to get to know God he said, the rabbi got angry at me. No, God, that's not your job. Your job is to keep the commandments. Uh, so give up on knowing God. Keep the commandments. That's all you need. Uh, which is kind of the point here. So they, they um, uh, the, not knowing the righteousness of God, verse 3 of chapter 10 not knowing the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God uh, so uh, oh, that Israel's zeal for God would bring them to faith but they've rejected God's righteousness and tried to establish their own um, it's kind of a prayer in this whole first three verses of the chapter Chapter, uh, uh, this um, PowerPoint was made over months and months and months. And so there are repetitive portions of it because there would be Christmas would come up and it'd be four or five weeks before we'd get back to Romans again. And so some of this is repetition. Um, Press on here. Verses 4 to 13. Christ is the true goal of all righteousness. Proclaimed by all the prophets, offered to both Jew and Greek, who will call on Jesus as Yahweh, mighty to save. So, verses uh, 4 to 13, fairly long section as, as it goes in Paul. For Christ, do you have, is the end of the law? Yeah. That, that's a possible translation, a legitimate one. Another one is goal of the law, and I'm not sure which Paul intends here. Christ is either the end of the law or the goal of the law as far as righteousness is concerned, to everyone who believes. Because of that statement, I think he means the end of the law, termination of the law. Um, I was just talking to a former student on the phone. Had to get cut off the conversation a little short uh, to get here. Uh, but we had been on the phone for over 50 minutes. So it was, uh, and it was a very fruitful call the whole, whole way through. But this student, this former student, was just struggling. She's had a horrible life. You can hardly even imagine. Um, And every kind of evil has been done to her over the years. And uh, um, she said, I just want to love God more. I want to please Him. I said, don't you realize you do please Him? Mm -hmm. The very... The very desire you have to please him is pleasing to him. The very longing you have to love him more pleases him. And I took her to several passages of scripture and pointed out things for her there. But the the, the issue, folks, is I really can't use the law for righteousness. As we've been saying in Romans since chapter well certainly chapter six um the is since I have indwelling sin, if I feed it law, it's going to produce acts of sin even against my will that's what Romans seven says it's no longer I who am doing it, but sin that dwells in me. you remember this i I rejoice in the law according to the inner man, but I see another law in my members at law with the at, at war with the law of sin uh, of of I can't remember how he says it but this war is going on yes yep. what's the what's the solution it's not more obedience the solution is trusting Christ and walking in that trust she said "I, I what was the word what was the verse she quoted Um. Uh, oh it was in Galatians chapter 5, yes and it was, it was about um, walking by the Spirit. She said, I don't even know what that means and so over the course of that 50 minute call I was able to say, look, walking by faith is walking by the Spirit and here our sister is going to Jordan and there are maybe some tough times ahead you don't have to feel strong to trust God for his strength When you trust God for for his strength, you may feel no strength at all. At all. But you go on into the circumstance, and God does his work. And when it's over, people praise you. And the good news is, God's going to praise you. But you will say, but Father, it was your work in me. And you will know it. But God honors himself and when he honors himself, he honors his children too who are involved. Living by faith, living by the Spirit is living by faith, trusting the promises of God even when, especially when, that's probably the better word, especially when there's no particular um, reason to trust. You can't, everything that's reasonable to our minds, seems to be irrelevant to this situation. But you have the promise of God that he will be your peace, he will be your joy, he will be your, you name it, of the promises of God. And you don't have to feel it to be able to trust God that in that circumstance he will show up and do what is necessary to honor his name. Does that mean in a, in a severe persecution setting that I won't be put to death no it doesn't mean that but in that death God will hold me steady and I won't By as I trust him I won't deny Christ am I making sense to you? so the, the issue for us is to learn to live by faith that's what Israel never really learned they wanted their obedience uh, and so he says verse 4 Christ is the end of the law Moses writes about the righteousness which is by the faith by the, by the law the one who does these things shall live by them but the righteousness of faith speaks this way do not say in your heart and this is a critically important passage I can't tell you how important this is we read it so quickly, and we go back and we look at the Old Testament, and we say, "We'll see there." He, he cited Deuteronomy thirty, verse twelve, and verse thirteen, and verse fourteen, and there's even a reference to Deuteronomy nine. And I'm, okay, that's nice. Let's go on. But, folks, usually when there's a quotation of the of the Old Testament in the New, the way the New Testament writers work is they. Give you a snippet from that Old Testament passage to take you back there, not to that verse. What we usually do is we turn to the Old Testament verse and we do see. Well, it's quoted it from there, sure enough, and we go on. But it's rather using the quotation as a signpost. It's like a flag on a on a golf course um, from the tee. If you can even see the green, yes. Now, I, I'm talking like I'm a golfer. I, I, I caddied for a summer, <laughs> uh, so I, I have at least that much nice experience of, of golf courses. Uh, golf spelled backwards is flog. <laughs> and as far as I can tell, that's all that ev- anybody ever does. I went to lunch, went to went to coffee after the men's Bible study on Friday mornings. And and all those guys were golfers. They they'd talk about, man, yesterday I got so mad I wrapped my stick around a tree. And then they later they'd say, Jim, you need to come go golfing with us. I said, You guys are horrible advertisements for golf, because if if I don't I have all the frustration in my life I need, I don't need to go out and do it intentionally to myself. <laughs> uh, um, but uh uh I uh, know. How did I get into that? Oh, the the the, uh, the the quotation in the New Testament is like a flag in the in the hole in the green. Your goal, obviously, is to get the ball in the hole. A more realistic goal is to get as close to the pin as you can get it, to the flag as you can get it. Yes, is that true? Are any of you golfers probably? Yeah, you know, just one. How about that? Well, glory. You need to get sanctified, brother. I <laughs> uh, had a wonderful day yesterday. I played great. <laughs> um, uh, but but the but the the flag tells you where your goal is. Yes?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right? So these quotations function as flags to what scholars call a field of meaning. Mm-hmm. The quotation is coming from a context. And my task is to figure out what the context is doing. For that purpose, let's go to, Daniel, to Deuteronomy 9. This first quotation is taken from Deuteronomy... I'm sorry. The first quotation in this set of verses, uh, do not say in your heart, comes from Deuteronomy 9.4. And we will read it and we will say, well, there it is. Sure enough, it says, do not say in your heart my translation may not read quite that way but it'll get pretty close Um, do not say in your heart after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you it's because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess this land whereas it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you not because of your righteousness or uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land but because of their wickedness the Lord your God is driving them out before you uh, that and that he may confirm the word that he swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob so do not say in your heart it is because of my righteousness that might be pretty significant for the context in Romans chapter 10 yes then the second quotation and second, third, and fourth are taken from Deuteronomy chapter 30 I'll have more to say about chapter 9 before we're done but in chapter 30 verses 12, 13, and 14, just a snippet, but Moses is using these as signposts to drive Israel back to the text to see what's going on in the context, and we must do that too. It's never enough to say well it's quoting from Deuteronomy 30 go back to Deuteronomy 30 and figure out what Paul, Paul, Moses is trying to do there and why does Paul quote it so Deuteronomy 30 verse 11 this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you neither is it far off it's not in heaven that someone would say who will ascend to heaven for us and, and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it and you can hear uh, the summary that Paul makes of that verse verse 13 neither is it beyond the sea that you would say who will go over the sea for us the sea is We. Uh, uh, what are some synonyms for the word sea in English ocean, ocean. Uh, how about the great deep and that's what that word in Hebrew means the great deep um, so that's what Paul says who shall descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead but the word is near you uh, in your heart and in your mind that you may do it that's Deuteronomy 30.14 but the word is very near you it is in your mouth and in your heart that you can do it well what is the commandment that Paul that Moses is quoting is Giving them today that's not too difficult for them.
1: Obedience? That you can do it. So well, you can do it. So Chapters
0: 1 to 4 say they won't do it. So evidently it's too difficult for them. And chapter 30, uh, tw- uh, uh, 29 and 30 say they won't do it so attempting, it must not be part-
1: attempting to do or like having the the heart posture no, what, what and is want to be what
0: is the commandment that is the summary of them all that's the commandment that's not too difficult for you what is there in God's dealings with Israel that makes him unlovable uh, delivering them from slavery in Egypt by 10 plagues, uh, splitting the Red Sea to walk over on dry land, Mm -hmm. providing water twice in the wilderness and food every day in the wilderness for a year and more because they, they have to stay there 40 years. He reminded them of his presence.
1: With a fire in the cloud.
0: With a fire in the cloud. Um, So what is there about God that's not lovable? Um, That's the commandment that's not too difficult. Uh, And and to justify that, because excellent scholars of Romans and of Deuteronomy miss it fundamentally. Um, I got it right. (laughs) Uh, But but verse uh, chapter 30 verse 1 when all these things come upon you the blessing and the curse which I have set before you today and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you Uh, mind you the last curse is scattering over all the earth Israel to be scattered over all the earth Deuteronomy 28 um These things come to you, call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. And you return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heaven, From there the Lord will gather you, and from there he will take you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it, and he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that, notice what circumcision of heart means, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. In my Bible, that comes before verses 12, 13, and 14. Yes? So, but then I have a doctorate from Dallas Seminary and I know great and wise things most people don't know. (laughs) The, The issue, folks, is the commandment that's not too difficult for you is loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Paul's quoting this passage in Romans 10 as his final argument and proof that righteousness that God um, values is the righteousness of faith so what Paul thinks the great commandment means is not obey what Paul thinks loving God with all your heart, soul and strength is is what faith is and so when we gave an analysis of faith early in the course um, I gave four elements for faith. Um, first one is knowledge of the person and plan of God. Second, <clears throat> acceptance of it is true Assent. Third, entering into a love relationship with God. That always entails two things. It always entails changed behavior not necessarily for the better because <laughs> Jan and I were having a conversation one day, and uh, she said, "Why are you doing that?" And I said, "I'm trying to express love to you." She said, "That doesn't express love to me." Well, what was wrong with her? <laughs> Thank you for laughing, Mark. <laughs> Been there, done that. Been there and done that. <laughs> what was wrong? What was wrong in that situation? You thought that communication. You and she didn't. <laughs> Say again.
1: You thought you expressed love. Yeah. In the way that she would like it. And
0: yeah. Didn't. I didn't know her well enough to be able to express love in ways that I wanted to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, then, folks, what's it going to take to be able to love God well? I have to know the person and plan of God <laughs> accept it it's true and then uh, my, my, my faith will grow if I have inadequate knowledge of the person whom I love my behavior change will be wrong but if I have accurate knowledge my behavior change will be accurate secondly it always entails risk there's always risk in a love relationship you can't enter <laughs> into Boy, howdy! You think getting married is going to be a wonderful time, and it is. But then you get to be aware there's something in that other person that I didn't know. What's again? This
1: is not the person I married.
0: This is not the person I thought I married. What's going on here? Uh, The again? There are human beings involved and that's the problem the the good thing about God is there's never any true risk but he always leads us into risk because that's how he strengthens our faith Mm -hmm. but in the risk there's no true risk because God will never damage us even even beatings even severe persecution is not damaging us Um, those who we we have ample examples from church history of people under persecution facing death uh, affirming their deepening love for God in the very event am I right on that So, so the point is that there's never any true risk with God but he can take us into circumstances where it feels like it's risky but that's what love relationships do They put you in risky situations. And you either persevere through them and grow in your love for the other person or you abandon. Um, And and, in the chart, as we did it, the the fourth element is hope, uh, confidence about the future. Because I have hope with God, then I can persevere through the risk. And if I physically survive it, (laughs) which I have so far... (laughs) Amen. Uh, if I if I physically survive the risk, then I know him better than I did before. Yes, I know more of his character, know more of his plan. I can accept it more readily than I did initially, and I have a deeper love for him, which means I can go through more risk for him, so that I know him better so that I love him more so that I can go through because the hope grows does this make sense to you? so so faith is a self-feeding thing as you walk by faith uh, into hard times I'm I'm doing do, do you know Wayne Sneed? yeah, yeah. Wayne's doing a, a conference down at the country place this week and I preach Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday and they gave me the day off because they're having children's day and uh tomorrow I'm I'm going back but yesterday I hardly ever give sermons titles I I hardly almost never do I I don't know I don't know how to make titles but this one I conceived and and it was titled run stay or walk right in and the goal was to say I'm I'm preaching on suffering and its role in the Christian life Mm -hmm. and uh my goal yesterday was to say, what did Paul do when trouble came? Well, there were times when he ran. There are times, especially in Corinth and at Ephesus, where he stayed. There are times when, before he even gets to the place, he's, he's alerted, bonds and imprisonment await you. And they're all pleading with him not to go to Jerusalem. And you remember his response? why are you breaking my heart don't you realize that I love my love for God is such that I'm ready to lay my life down for him but from the very beginning in Acts chapter 9 um, Agabus the prophet up in Antioch remember this came to Paul and he said uh, in fact before he came to Paul God was talking to Agabus and he, Agabus says to the Lord, "Don't you know this guy is the guy who's persecuting your church?" Yes, I know, but I'm gonna—he's a chosen vessel for me. And he said, "In addition, <laughs> I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake." So, walking into Jerusalem, he knew things were going to happen, and they did. Did it stifle his ministry? He wrote epistles. Yeah. Uh, probably, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, First uh, and Second Timothy, uh, Titus, and Jude. That's that's pretty productive. Yes, maybe not Galatians. Maybe Galatians is a good deal earlier. But the uh, the others are certainly there. Uh, folks, did persecution stop Paul's ministry? Did imprisonment stop Paul's ministry. We're still profiting from it. So the point is then... You were that talking about him going to Rome, not Jerusalem. I, I meant Jerusalem. You meant Rome? No. No, I meant Jerusalem. Oh, really? Yeah, he's on his way to Jerusalem and bonds and imprisonment await him there.
1: But he wrote the letters in Rome.
0: Yeah, but but that's the point. From that imprisonment comes. <laughs> it, it, it's a It's a constant imprisonment from that time in Jerusalem through his stay in Rome that we know about at least um, the the issue then folks is Deuteronomy 30 is saying folks uh, loving God with all your heart soul and strength is what God is really after I'm finishing up next Wednesday night I'm finishing up a study that I began in 2021 it's taken me two and a half years to get through it um we started in Genesis and we're going to finish up Deuteronomy uh, next Wednesday night Genesis is a book about about what? The beginnings yeah no the, the, you said um, no before you yeah. asked that question to the patriarchs <laughs> yeah the what about the patriarchs? Why, why do we need to know the story of the patriarchs? They modeled faith. because of they, God's choosing Israel they modeled faith And Deuteronomy is ending up a five-volume work talking about faith. What are the chances that the intervening <laughs> portions of, of Exodus numbers, Exodus, Leviticus numbers and, and Deuteronomy are about faith too? We've treated these, and we've called them, since I was a child every time they t- tried to teach us I, I didn't learn the book of the books of the Bible in vacation Bible school like I was supposed to but, but um, uh, every time they started out there are five books of law amen okay. books of law, well what's law? Rules. rules so you go to the books of law to find rules I found a list, do you know that the Jews say that there are 603 commandments in the law um I found a list one time. There are different lists, and not all of them are the same. But I found a list. You know where the first commandment comes from? Ten. You're talking about the ten now? No, of the six hundred three. Oh, I would go to the garden. No. Comes from Genesis one one. There's a clear commandment there. Let there be light. (laughs) No, there. No, that's one two. No. God
1: created.
0: No there is only one God. In the beginning God Israel must have only one God they take statements of fact and make them into rules mm-hmm. and I can remember in my early days writing sermons at Dallas Seminary and I would write in, in, a, in a point for my sermon uh, the, the Christian should and the guy who graded it would write should or does What he was asking was, is this a statement of obligation or is it a statement of fact? Don't turn statements of fact into statements of obligation. Why do we do that? Because we have legalistic hearts and we want to live by rules. We were created to live by rules. But sin entered in and I can't use commandments for righteousness anymore. And this is what I'm trying to drive home in these last studies that we're doing in Deuteronomy, Israel has rejected faith as a way of life, as Moses is speaking to them. There are only two ways to get blessing from God. One is faith, which they've rejected, and the other is works. And he's telling them in Deuteronomy, you won't do it. He, He says that on... He says it, God says it and the opening of Deuteronomy emphasizes the failures of Israel in the wilderness so their whole history is against them and their own hearts are against them but this is the way they've chosen so if you're going to get the blessing of God by obedience then here are the things you've got to do am I making sense to you? but he says in Deuteronomy 30 it's not going to happen look again at Deuteronomy 30 verse 1 when all these things come upon you the blessing and the curse which I have set before you look at Deuteronomy 28 um, toward the end of the chapter um, verse 64 there are 68 verses in this chapter 14 are blessing So what do the other 54 mean about the substance of this message? You should not expect blessing. You should expect curse. So, the Lord Lord will scatter you among all peoples, from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. Uh, There's an old Jewish commentary from the Middle Ages that says, any Israelite living out the, outside the land is assumed to be an idolater because the, the law can only be kept in the land of Israel
1: mm-hmm.
0: among these nations you shall find no respite and there, shall, and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot but the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul your life shall hang in doubt before you night and day is this not the history of Israel did you see Abba Aban's television series? Was it Abba Aban I think so. Uh, it uh, Civilization colon Israel and, and, and let's see Civilization Israel and I forget the other uh, part of the title but it was on te- television and there was a book out that came out about it. It's the history of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's verses 65 and 66 lived out uh, among these nations you shall find no respite and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot but the Lord will give you there a trembling heart failing eyes and a languishing soul your life shall hang in doubt before you night and day shall, you shall be in dread and have no assurance of your life in the morning you will say <laughs> as I did in basic training oh that it were evening <laughs> and at the night you will say if only it were morning Because of the dread that your heart shall feel in the sights of your eyes. And the Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt. A journey that I promise that you should never make again. And there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. But there will be no buyer. So this is the background for chapter 30. So when I turn to 30 verse 1. When all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you and return to the Lord your God you and your children and obey his voice and all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul and then we get down to that verse uh, 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 11 this commandment that I command you today is not too difficult for you neither is it far off it's not in heaven that you should say who will ascend to heaven to get it for us Verse 15, people want to say, no, it's the whole commandment. It's the whole Mosaic law that's in view. But read verse 15 and 16. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and, and and, and my text says evil, adversity might be a better word. If you obey the commandments of, of your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, what's he after? he's after their hearts if I can get your heart I've got your hands so back to Romans 10 Paul is not misusing these quotations they're not just nice poetic garnishment and that's not right garnishing (laughs) Uh, uh, garnish is a better word Uh, it's not just poetic garnish for the passage, he's taking them back to the roots of their lives, as uh, back to uh, taking them back to the roots of God's work with humanity. Where do we start? We don't start with rules. We start with loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That's what Paul thinks Moses is talking about. I suspect Paul is right. So, back to Romans ten um verse 9 because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you shall be saved uh, for with one with the heart one believes to righteousness with the mouth one confesses to salvation for the scripture says everyone who believes in him I'm sorry, perhaps I should read it differently no one who believes in him shall be ashamed that's, a quote, that's an allusion to Isaiah 28 16 even Isaiah centuries after Moses is talking about faith um, and verse 12 for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for the same Lord of all is rich to all who call upon him uh, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, so verses one to thirteen um, uh, or or five to thirteen here. Uh, this this is the last, chronologically, the last time Paul goes into detail defending the concept of faith righteousness the other epistles talk about it but they don't they're not trying to establish that idea Galatians was written before Romans likely Um, it would be very early probably around 49 AD Romans is sometime in the mid 50's uh, 5 or 6 years later Um, so this is the last uh, sustained argument for righteousness by faith Uh, if my reading of Deuteronomy is wrong then Paul is wrong since I'm not willing to grant that Paul is wrong I think I must read Deuteronomy differently a a really wonderful commentator whose name I will not mention because I'm going to say something bad about (laughs) him but in Deuteronomy 10 he's convinced that this commandment that's not too difficult for you is all the commandments in the law but he's a New Testament scholar, <laughs> uh, and New Testament scholars have not normally studied the Old Testament in great detail. Uh, I haven't either, but um, because of the the road that the Lord has led me, He's forced me into every book of the Bible at one time or another in my experience. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and Romans is one that I've returned to over and over, and Moses is is one that I've returned to over and over and over which I even knew how many times the point that I'm making is folks I really do believe that, that the, the books of Moses are books saying there are two ways to blessing one is faith the other is obedience if you're unbelieving the only remaining way is faith, uh, is obedience and you won't do that, so there is no blessing apart from faith. Okay? I I know you have never read Moses that way. I'm confident of that. You, You just get tied up in all the commandments. But the commandments are there because these people, why are there so many business laws in the state of Tennessee and in the United States. In the school system. Well, I'm just talking about business law at this point. Do you know why?
1: Probably to remedy something that was
0: done. Exactly. Somebody pulled something that was underhanded but there was no law against it but we wanted to curtail that kind of activity so we made a law so that we could punish people who do that. Law is given to unbelieving disobedient people. Uh, i, I hesitate to do this because we're not going to get any farther in Romans if I do, but turn to Exodus 19. See, Savannah, I have a doctorate from Dallas Seminary and I know great and wise things most people don't know. Good and one of the things I know is that Exodus 19 comes from before chapter 20. I mm. mean you should be really excited about this the sheer glory of that statement should just (laughs) cause your face to glow Uh, Exodus 19 what's in 20 that's important to us 10 10 commandments Mm -hmm. why did God give the 10 commandments because in chapter 19 of what Israel did uh, in chapter 3 God told Moses this will be the sign that I have sent you I think it's 3 y'all, it's plural in, Greek, in Hebrew, y'all will worship God on this mountain, Sinai. Did Israel ever worship God on this mountain? No. In Exodus 19, he says, "He, he, he God appears to Moses, I'm sorry, I'm in Deuteronomy, gracious. Um, Exodus 19, I knew the, the text didn't look right, but I didn't know why. Uh, uh, the beginning of the second month God appears to Moses and he says I'm going to appear on the mountain and I'm going to do some things there for you that, that uh, for the people uh, because he says uh, uh, verse uh, 5 therefore if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation if there are going to be a kingdom of priests, where do priests function?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Temples. Um, what you need to know in order to understand this point is that not only is a tent or a building a temple, but there are also geographical temples in the Scripture. So, Garden of Eden is a geographical temple.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, the land of Canaan is a geographical temple. Mm-hmm. The city of Jerusalem is a geographical temple. Am I making sense to you? That this is the way the Old Testament describes these things. So, Mount Sinai is going to be a geographical temple. Well, if they're priests, where do priests function? In, In those temples. temples. Well, if Mount Sinai is a temple, where are they to be? Mount Sinai. In the temple, all right? So now that's that's my that's my assumption after study. This is what I'm telling you before we study, so I can show you where i'm going uh, so verse seven, Moses called all the people, called all the elders of the people, and set before them all these words, and the Lord commanded him, all the people answered all that the Lord has spoken, we will do um uh, and Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, "Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, uh, and may also believe you forever." Um, let's see. Let's read on through till uh, till um, verse thirteen. Verse ten. Uh, the Lord said to Moses go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day for on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people and you shall set limits for all the people around saying take care not to go up into the mountain is is that what you have in your text go up into the mountain um just if you have a pencil just mark that um not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it whoever touches the mountain shall shall be put to death no hand shall touch him but he shall be stoned or shot whether beast or man he shall not live when the trumpet sounds a long blast they shall come up to the mountain do you have to the mountain there? near, near the mountain yeah near the mountain hmm fascinating um um I looked up that phrase go up to, or near every place it occurs in the Hebrew Bible. And as far as I I know, and I I can't give you any statistics at this point, it happens frequently enough for this to be significant, um, 40 or 50 times. These are the only two places where it means go up to or go up near. Every place else it means go up on. And I want to know why These are the only two out of 40 or 50 or 60 times that that phrase means go up to or near, but not up, on. Especially if they're priests. Uh, You go up to a city on a road. Are you with me here? Even in in Exodus 3, Moses says you will worship God on this mountain and the preposition used in Greek the in Hebrew there is a preposition that usually means lying laying something on top of something else or placing something on top of something else. So why did he say in chapter 3 should worship God on this mountain, although our translations don't read that? And why does every other example of this expression in Hebrew mean go up to, or go up on, and while here only it means go up to because I don't think it means go up to here we've, we've started with an assumption why is there a boundary at the mountain God is because holy. God's,
1: holy.
0: God's holy but the people are going through an ordination priests have to be ordained before they enter the temple right are you with me So, Israel's ordination is a three-day ritual, and on the third day, they're ordained and ready to go to the temple, Mount Sinai. Um, um, Verse 16, so why don't they go up on the mountain? Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Well, <laughs> I can understand that. However, Hebrew has about 17 different verbs that means to tremble. I don't know why they needed so many, but I, there are all kinds of reasons why that might be the case. But this word is used 39 times in the Old Testament, and with very few exceptions... The word means to tremble because you expect disaster to occur or think that disaster has occurred. So the brothers are coming home from Egypt and one of them finds gold in his sack or silver in his sack and they tremble. Why? What? for their life. What? Fear for their life. Well, nobody's going to kill them right now. But they can't go back because they look like thieves. Uh, Isaac when Esau came in to be blessed, he said, Who are you, my son? He said, I'm Esau, your firstborn. And Isaac's response well, who was it then that came in and I blessed him? And Isaac trembled. Why? He realized he'd been deceived. It's worse than that. He realized he that his to scheme to bless. stop God's plan has failed. And it's a disaster from his point of view. God's plan is never as good as my plan. It's a dis well in his mind. Well, in my life, too. God's plan is not so good. I got real good plans, God, if you just listen to me. I could I could get us going here in the right direction. But but he he seems to have his own way. Uh, do, Do they have any heart for God? Later in the chapter. Let's see, is it here? No, it's in chapter 20. Turn to chapter 20 and verse uh, 18. When all the people saw the thunder and the flashes and the lightning and the flashes of, uh, 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 um, sorry, ha, flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet on the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, same word. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. Do not let God speak to us. What do they expect from God? Life, blessing, promise, all the promises to the fathers that He has told them He's going to give them? Is that what they expect from God? They expect death. They think God's whole purpose to bring them out in the wilderness is to kill them. How many times have you heard that in the text as you read through this material? They don't think God has any good purpose for them. His only purpose is to destroy them. Why did they tremble at the foot of the mountain and not go up? Because they had no faith. So why does the boundary still sit at the foot of the mountain at verse 17 of chapter 19? Because they can't go up. They have violated their ordination as priests. Am I making any sense to you? So that what, what Moses is teaching, folks, is a life of faith, not a life of works. The works will come from the faith. But we've put the effect before the cause. And we've stressed that. How many times have you been taught when you have a quiet time, oh, always look for an application? never leave your quiet time without an application. How many times have you heard that? I'm getting no response. Well, isn't that just legalism? Or is it not rather the issue that we must learn to know who our God is, how he acts in various circumstances, and how, how I can trust him. Can I always trust him for deliverance from death? No. Can I always trust him for deliverance from hunger? No. But can I trust him in hunger? Mm -hmm. Can I trust him in persecution? That's what we're to learn. Not what I should do today, but who is my God? Who is this, this person who's called me into relationship with himself and made me his child? And how does he act? And what do what the people of his house look like? How do they function? Why do they do what they do? Um, Moses is fearful at the beginning of his story, but he leaves fear a long way behind because he begins to see how God acts. Am I making sense at all to you? So re- back to Romans. We'll close now. It's, a, it's time to close. Can I ask a quick question? You're, this may be...
1: I don't know if it's off-subject or not, but I've always wondered when they're coming back down the mountain and the cattle and uh, the the uh, calf has been made and Joshua comes up and meets them. All of a sudden, Joshua's there on the mountain. Yeah. I've always wondered, because of this God's rule, mm-hmm. anybody who comes up
0: yes. to the <laughs> mountain,
1: gonna, how did Joshua get up
0: there? Well, apparently, Did they have more faith then? Or is faith yeah, the, yeah, there's, the answer to that? Yeah, faith is the answer to that, ultimately. <laughs> but the... The uh, the reality is we don't have all the detail of the stories we'd like to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we observe it and we say okay well <laughs> there were some exceptions. Okay. So. Um, well, it's not a yeah. not a big deal. Uh, but you, about... you, you didn't need that to survive till next week. So. <laughs> okay, let's close with prayer. Uh, Father, deliver us from trying to find out what we should do to trying to understand who you are. And in our relationship with you, Father, relationships always change us. We always become like the people that we're around. Mm -hmm. So as we grow in relationship to you, you've made us this way, then we'll begin to reflect you better. And we'll, we'll not know what you're going to do, but we'll know that we can trust you in whatever you bring us into. For Jesus' sake we pray.
1: Amen.